The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. It is a great joy on this July morning to welcome you to Marsh Chapel, whether you are here in person, listening live over the radio at 90.9 WBUR-FM, or over internet signals at WBUR.org, or listening later to the podcast at bu.edu slash chapel. It is a special joy to greet you this morning as we continue our annual Summer Preacher Series, and so too to welcome to the pulpit our third preacher, the Reverend Dr. Gregory Thomas, pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Haverhill, Massachusetts. Our dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, sends his regards as he is away in these summer months, and we look forward to his return later in August. We would note that the printer gremlins have bestricken our first hymn, which may be found a page previous in the hymnal to what is printed in the bulletin on page 73. Now let us stand as we are able in the praise of God. Egypt's young, set free, and burn. 
Let us pray. Let your continual mercy, O Lord, cleanse and defend your church, and, because it cannot continue in safety without your help, protect and govern it always by your goodness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. As we turn our hearts to confession, hear these words of Howard Thurman. Lord, open unto me. Open unto me light for my darkness. Open unto me courage for my fear. Open unto me hope for my despair. Open unto me peace for my turmoil. Open unto me joy for my sorrow. Open unto me strength for my weakness. Open unto me wisdom for my confession. Open unto me forgiveness for my sins. Open unto me love for my hates. Open unto me thyself for myself. Lord, Lord, open unto me. Let us confess our sins in silent prayer during the singing of the Kyrie. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 55, verses 1 through 5. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. 
and you that have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that you do not know shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 23 with the Antiphon. my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of our gospel. Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. I greet you in the name of our Savior, Jesus the Christ. I am happy and thankful for this opportunity to stand before you. My sincere thanks to Deans Moore, Hill, Newsom, Stone, and Professor Claire Wolftag, as well as the entire faculty and staff and students for the experience of consulting with the School of Theology during a residency this past spring semester. I'm indebted also the memories of my ancestors and mentors. Indeed, they give me reason and cause to understand that we are never alone. I call the names of some, not supposing that others do not also hold a place of importance, but with reverence to our limited time together today. I call the names of John Ward, Seth Asari, Anthony Campbell, John Berthron, Robert Neville, Gunther Heimbrock, James and Hattie Thomas, Jimmy Thomas, Hoover and Clarice Thomas, Reverend and Mrs. Robert E. Craig, Reverend and Mrs. Cornelius Bartley, Dr. E.T. Cavanis and the Greater Abyssinia Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio, Calvary Baptist Church in Haverhill, Mass, Reverend and Mrs. Joe Freeman, and with the intended tenderness of expressed love to my wife, Janie, my children, Jennifer, Eli, Jacqueline, Rolanda, Julian Ryan, Erica, my sisters Carolyn and the Reverend Jean Turpin, Mrs. Geneva Milan, Paul Milan, Mr. and Mrs. Walter Newell, Thomas and Betty Bonner, Jack and Zula Williams, as well as a host of aunts and uncles and friends. And to all the children that have been a part of the ministry of Calvary Baptist Church for over 20 years, the host of them who have matured in that fellowship and who walk today in a world that is made better by their very being. Our Savior pronounces in our text this morning a directive for the 11 that they were to go to teach all nations to glorify the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to glorify the divine Godhead of what we have come to identify as our Christian faith. In that day, they would be known as early evangelists, as men and women of the way. What was this way? It was a declaration in time and space that Emmanuel, God with us, has now completed a work in human flesh that no other man or divine could do or would do. 
We are blessed by this Gospel of Matthew. As in the first chapter, we get a picture of God being with us. And we're closed by an understanding that God is still with us. He hath provided himself a spotless sacrifice that might be redeemed, that we might be redeemed from the separation that sin created between humankind and the divine. This sacrifice was not ritual, not simply ceremonial, not metaphor. It was literal. It demanded blood. It demanded death. And now it was completed. Death. Completion. Yes, it was completed, but that was not the end of the story. For on the third day morning, he presented himself to the world, claiming all power in heaven and earth belonging to him. So this commissioning is a great point of ministry. We really have something to tell. There is much that Jesus taught his disciples that confirmed this spotless sacrificial life that he lived, that men and women might believe. For in belief, we do understand the power of this commission. Our belief helps us to understand that in our most challenging times, we are never alone. If one accepts Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, concerns about being alone might be best understood in a level where social concerns and needs dominate our existence. But for us this morning, our commission with the Christian faith requires for us to remember that in Christ all things are now made new. This newness demands that we see, hear, and act differently. How we process the world changes. We cannot approach this task in the glow of the resurrection morning in disbelief, for this disbelief renders us powerless. In our lesson today, we see that not all of the disciples believed. The Gospel of Mark tells us that Jesus upbraided them for this. He gave them a talking to. Might I say this like the old preachers in Baptist churches would say it as I grew up? In my Holy Ghost imagination, I can hear the Savior saying to these fellows, look, I have sent to you first the news that I had risen as I said I would, but you did not believe. Is it because I gave the women this task? Can't you hear the silence that they probably had across the centuries that reaches to us even today that there are some who would be concerned about gender rather than the goodness of God. In like manner, I gave audience to some believers out in the country. I'm still in my Holy Ghost imagination now. Where we sat for a spell and talked of eternal things, but you still did not believe. What's wrong, fellas? Are you looking for my word of instruction, my word of liberation to come only from men? Or are you thinking that only in the great edifices, in the great cities, will my word need to be heard? Well, before I get carried away too, too much in critiquing these disciples, we are likewise lacking evidence of an eternal appreciation of this good news. Think about it. What is it that happens in our communions of faith that says that we appreciate this good news? that we believe this good news, that we embrace this good news. Breaking the bonds of death, the resurrection was the good news. This was what Jesus gave to them to say was good news. And I know often we, we are turned and we, we, we shape the gospel, the good news, the way we want it to be shaped and often we miss this point, that the good news was that Jesus overcame the bonds of death and that he rose on the third day morning. No longer could be, we be subject to the extortions of promised life or the briberies of earthly wealth. 
and certainly not slaves to the creations that belong only to God. God is, God is, is central to this story. We might exhaust flesh and time with our consumption of the words of the Bible. Indeed, the words are life-giving, but they are also pointing towards one end, to glorify God. The words of the Bible are there to glorify God. Psalms 19 and 1 gives us a peek at this. The heavens shall declare thy handiwork. Isaiah 48 and 11, though, gives us an understanding that God will not relinquish his glory to anyone. So there must be a faithful reconciliation of these events that happen on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, and on the resurrection Sunday morning. These 11 were at a Passover celebration, a supper that Jesus declares he had looked forward to eating with them. He had before spoke of this, talking about his body, the eating of his body and the taking of his blood and the necessity of such. Some of the disciples and followers followed him no more because of this image. Yet these 11 stayed as did the traitor Judas. One might wonder how different the passions of Judas were from the other 11. I suggest that being open to Jesus as the glory of God is a crucial difference and being open to Jesus as the glory of God is crucial to ministry for us today. So then we can see that this struggle is a consistent one in the narratives of the Bible. Struggling with the central tenets of this notion of God's glory is the rhyme and the meter of biblical literature. And we have heard this in our reading, our hearing of Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Throughout the psalm, we are given, I believe, important attributes of God. We have the transcendence and the eminence of God. The divine is involved in my life, and because of that, I shall not want for any good thing because God is there with me at all times. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly, for he is a sun and shield, the psalmist tells us, 84 and 11. Yet even these words are loaded with expectations and too often we miss the central ethic of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. The Gospel of John gives us some help. John 20, verses 21 through 23. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. And as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Ministry is endowed with this power and this purpose, that as Jesus was sent into the world, that we are likewise sent by him, by the Godhead, into the world. There's purpose in our salvation and purpose in every day that we live from the time that we recognize Jesus as our Savior. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. But if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Providing another view of this commissioning, John helps us to see this Trinitarian uh, promise and the power it holds over the very notion of ministry. We understand that we are never alone. The presence of the Lord is crucial to our Christian living, our Christian faith. It is one aspect of our attempt to understand God, and it can be a help in the increase of our faith. We understand God because we learn that we are never alone. There was a young boy in Cleveland, Ohio, that had a paper route with his brother in a morning paper route, as the Cleveland Plain Dealer is, and this young boy had this route when it was dark outside. And so he was afraid 
to go in some yards because in some of the houses in Cleveland, uh, they wanted the papers delivered in the milk chute, as they called it. And that meant going into the rear of the house. Yeah, you can just imagine this at five or six in the morning uh, when the wind is blowing and, and trees and they're bending and, and uh, the shadows from the streetlights. And some mornings this boy would walk understanding that he needed to finish this morning paper route so that he could get home and get ready for school. So he could not wait until the sun would rise. So how am I going to do this? And, and he just remembered Sunday school. The thing that got him through some of those mornings as he walked, that he would begin to walk and say, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. They are weak, but he is strong. And he'd throw the paper into the milk chute and out on to the next. And he got stronger and stronger. Maybe it was the sun coming up that made it look like he was getting stronger. But he understood from his Sunday school. Yes, I did. I understood from my Sunday school that Jesus was always with me. God tells us to have faith in him, believe him, trust him. Many would be faithful, except for the fears of what seems like a lonely journey. Now, this is not a metaphor, this loneliness, because we find many of us are lonely today. It can strangle your faith just as it binds your abilities to love, to forgive, and to be the embodiment of all that Christ has been to you. God tells us to have faith in him. His mercies are new every morning. And we're asked in Psalms 42, why are you downcast? Why do you despair? Hope thou in God, for he cannot forget us, Isaiah chimes in. In these times of despair, when our nation is on the brink of some pretty disastrous things, and no one really understands what tomorrow will bring, I would suggest that we who are believers be the good news people, that God has not forgotten us. God has not sent us into a world of despair. But in these times of despair, when the poorest are least considered in the body politic, remember, you are never alone. When a ministry of justice seems to be a distant concern for those who say they represent Christ, remember, you are never alone. When few seem to have concern about the deconstruction of God's word simply to fit popular press, remember, you are never alone. When success in worldly matters incite jealous attacks upon you and your character, remember you are never alone. When those who say they are friends are nowhere to be found, remember you are never alone. When your testimony of Christ brings rebuke and scorn, remember you are never alone. When grace is viewed as weakness, remember you are never alone. God's word consistently shares with us his concern and his love. He demonstrated this in the most dramatic way in human history. He came to be with his people. In our text this morning, Christ has provided proof to his disciples and given instructions that they might receive the fullness of the Godhead and the coming of the Holy Spirit. We are never alone. The love of God is forever with us. Christ resurrected is the greatest testimony of love the world has ever known. God's eminence, he proves to us daily that he has not abandoned us in the world. He is active in our lives. His transcendence is proof of his power beyond this world. And by that same power, he is the center of all creation. And the resurrection is our proof of God's abiding love and eternal power. But it is demonstrated most by his presence. 
His presence is the foundation of ministry. Tell the world the good news that Jesus Christ has conquered death and has risen from the dead. It is the essential belief of our Christian communion. God bless you. to worship together this morning, we pause for a moment to bring our individual and communal prayers before God. And so I invite you to find a posture, whether that's sitting, standing, coming forward to kneel at the altar rail, any position which will help you to best be in a spirit of prayer. As the choir sings, lead me, Lord, let us open our hearts and quiet our minds. <laughs> <laughs> 
God, you are our God. Great is your name and worthy to be praised. We come into your presence this morning first and foremost to worship you. But we also come with other prayers, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers of need. And we put our trust in you as we share those people, places, and situations which are on our hearts. We remember this morning, God, the people of Norway in their suffering, their anger, and their grief. May everyone who has been touched by this senseless tragedy feel your presence, your comfort, and your peace. We remember those other places in our world that are marked by violence and suffering, hunger, some places we hear about, but some we do not even know. But we do know, God, that you do see all and that your loving embrace reaches out to all. May injustice and violence everywhere be exposed, and may we be encouraged to always work for peace and justice. God, we remember this morning our civic leaders who struggle to find ways to lead our country forward. May they be open to the movement of the Spirit, to the breath of listening and compromise. May they not forget those they are elected to serve, even those who are so often forgotten, the least, the last, and the lost. God, we pray for the size and diversity of this community. We give thanks for that gift. But we know that with that gift comes a variety of needs. Some of us present this morning come with joy, and we rejoice with them. Some come with anxiety, and we worry for them. Some come with grief, we mourn with them. God, open our eyes to see the needs of our neighbors so that we may be as Christ to them. God, we know that our prayers are full of a variety of needs, thoughts, and emotions. We are so glad that you are great enough to hold all of them and all of us. And we are most grateful that when we run out of our own words to pray, your son Jesus taught us how. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We greet you once again here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, and we give thanks this morning to the Reverend Dr. Gregory Thomas, Senior Pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in Haverhill, Massachusetts, for bearing the word to us this morning. Thank you, Dr. Thomas, and we greet especially this morning his family here joining us in the front pew and welcome them. We thank also our guest choir, Convivium Musicum, conducted by Mr. Michael Barrett, and also our guest organist, Peter Krasinski. We do hope that you will take a moment to let us know that you're here and help us get to know you better and help you get to know one another better by putting your name and contact information in the red pads found along the center aisle of each pew. If you would pass the pad along to your neighbor as you have a moment, we would be most appreciative. We hope also that you will keep an eye to the chapel website, bu.edu chapel, for upcoming services and activities, especially as we are heading into the new academic year in about a month. And we uh, note that there also is the opportunity for online giving. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Almighty, ever-present God, made manifest in our love and ministry, bless these gifts and their givers. May they and we be instruments of your love on this earth. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Go knowing that you are never alone, that God is forever with you, that he shall fight your battles. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King? The Lord, the Lord mighty in battle. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, May God go with you. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. <laughs> 